The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. We have to have this debate in Congress about whether we should be in places like Afghanistan. This Taliban has changed. We've got to hold them accountable. We'll see how they govern. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. The infrastructure bill will create jobs that we desperately need in this country, good-paying jobs. We need to go all out a green, renewable economy and all of the infrastructure to make that happen. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. A special edition of Sound On live from Washington, where President Biden is set to address the nation this hour following a tragic day in Afghanistan, where 12 American service members were killed and dozens more injured in two blasts outside of the Kabul airport where thousands of U.S. troops are, of course, working to evacuate thousands of Americans and Afghans before a complete withdrawal next week. We have yet to see or hear from President Biden today. We did receive a briefing a little while ago from CENTCOM Commander General Kenneth McKenzie. It's a hard day today. As you know, two suicide bombers assessed to have been ISIS fighters detonated in the vicinity of the Abbey Gate at Hamad Karzai International Airport and in the vicinity of the Barron Hotel, which is immediately adjacent. And as we wait to hear from the president, we turn to our top guest, Congressman Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, a Marine who served in Iraq. Congressman, welcome to Bloomberg Radio. We've been looking forward to speaking with you because your name has been in the air for the balance of the day as the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, calls on Speaker Nancy Pelosi to bring back members of Congress before August 31st for a briefing and for a vote on your legislation that would prohibit the withdrawal of our troops until every American is out of Afghanistan. Do you have a sense of when that would be? Well, no, and I've sat through multiple classified briefings now and asked these questions from everybody to the Secretary of Defense to the head of policy in the Pentagon down. And, you know, I, I can't even get a clear definition of what they think the mission is. And we don't even have a good estimate of how many Americans are there right now. But I think the principle behind which we should all unite is that as Americans, we don't leave American citizens behind. And to cut and run, knowing that we're going to be not only leaving American citizens behind, but effectively condemning thousands of our Afghan allies to death, just because we want to stick to some arbitrary August 31st So the president can claim he ended the war by September 11th, 2021, thereby handing the Taliban a massive propaganda victory makes no sense to me. Uh, And I've been surprised by the amount of bipartisan pushback that the administration has been getting. But at the same time, when it came time to vote on my legislation, uh, all of the Democrats folded uh, because they didn't want to jeopardize the Bernie Sanders budget going through. So. I hope we can learn from this. I hope we can reconvene. I hope we can all stand up for the basic idea that we don't cut and run and leave our people in harm's way 
And I fear the situation could get worse. I mean, today is a day that's going to live in infamy, uh, certainly for Marine Corps history. And it's all the more tragic because it was avoidable. 11 Marines died today that did not need to die. But that's where we are. Congressman is noteworthy as a Marine. You're more comfortable with the Congress making these decisions than the Commander-in-Chief? Well, I think uh, part of the problem we have here with U.S. foreign policy is Congress has completely abdicated its constitutional role, whether it's authorization for war, but also involving uh, itself in oversight for war termination. Interestingly enough, uh, I supported an amendment. It was a bipartisan amendment working with a congressman, Jason Crow, uh, in the uh, in last year's defense bill that would have prevented the Trump, then Trump administration from withdrawing below 4,000 troops until they had done a proper risk assessment. The Biden administration then came in and waived the requirement for a risk assessment. So here we had Congress trying to reassert itself in oversight of war uh, operations and military planning, and yet the executive branch being thoroughly overempowered has ignored our impulses. And I think without a healthy give and take from, you know, the first and second branch of our government, you're going to get more fiascos like this. Uh, But the president seems insensitive to criticism. He seems to be doubling down on his position. And we are watching one of the biggest fiascos in modern military history unfold before our eyes. And it's going to have long-lasting damaging consequences for the credibility of our military deterrent around the world. Well, how does that qualify Congress then to be making tactical decisions like this for the U.S. military? Should it not come back to a new authorization of force? Uh, I wouldn't call it a, a tactical decision. I mean, Congress is not saying, hey, put your uh, your LP here or put your perimeter X number of feet away uh, from this part of the airport. Uh, we're actually trying to involve ourselves in a strategic decision of when and how uh, to withdraw from the country. Now, I understand that those of us who wanted a small, enduring force to remain in Afghanistan, uh, as I did and some of my Republican and Democratic colleagues did, uh, lost the argument. Uh, we lost the argument with the previous administration. We lost the argument with this administration. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, but at a minimum, I think we should all work together on how to make this, you know, uh, make sure that all Americans uh, get home. And I feel like I have a responsibility to my constituents, uh, many of whom have concerns, many of whom know people that are still trapped in Afghanistan, as well as to the men and women that I served with in uniform to do whatever I can to make sure we don't leave anybody behind. So I think Congress is engaged in a good faith effort to try and make sure we don't abandon people to their death, uh, to make sure this doesn't get any worse. But I understand that uh, the broader decision to withdraw has been made uh, by the commander in chief, and it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to reverse that decision. And so we are therefore going to be left with just mitigating the fallout and the increase in terrorist threats as well as the decrease in credibility among our allies. We're talking with Congressman Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, who authored legislation that would prohibit the withdrawal of American troops until all Americans are out of Afghanistan. And we understand that we're down to about uh, 1,000. Another 500 Americans were lifted out of the country today. Congressman, before we get further or, or, or without pushing further into politics, I'm curious 
to hear your ideas about what's happening on the ground right now. Apparently, the U.S. military, according to General McKenzie, is in talks with the Taliban to expand the perimeter, extend the perimeter around the airport and also close roads in some cases that are leading that way. Is that the right move now? And what else needs to happen? Well, it's still remarkable to me that we find ourselves almost entirely dependent upon the generosity and goodwill of the Taliban, an entity that can't be trusted. We've also had reports today that the administration provided the Taliban with a list of all the Americans and Afghan allies we wanted out. Uh, If that is true, it is a monumentally stupid decision, effectively providing, you know, an al-Qaeda affiliate with a kill list. And, you know, as much as I'd like to see the security perimeter extended, I'd like us to figure out some better system for, uh, you know, preventing things like this from happening. I just can't help but despair knowing that we are so dependent on the goodwill of the Taliban and and scratch my head thinking how we found ourselves in this position. And I think it really illustrates the flaw in the logic here that somehow, you know, we could rely upon the Taliban as a security partner and they would in turn crack down on al-Qaeda or ISIS or other terrorist groups. That's just a fantasy. But, sir, are you quoting quoting a report or are you telling us that the Biden administration has handed over the names of all Americans in Afghanistan to the Taliban? Uh, I'm quoting a Politico report that came out a couple hours ago. Again, we are now, since Congress is not in session, we are back in our district. So it's not based on anything that I have personally been briefed on. I have asked uh, via the Armed Services Committee as a ranking member on the Military Personnel Subcommittee uh, for an answer from the Pentagon. But I would tell you uh, that I asked um, high-level Pentagon officials yesterday in a briefing, I said, please, you keep talking about these assurances we've gotten from the Taliban. The Taliban have assured us they're going to guarantee safe passage of yeah. our people to the airport. What assurances have we given them? Can you tell me that I'm not going to pick up a newspaper a week from now, two months ago, two years from now, and learn that we have some secret deal with the Taliban? And they assured me, no, there's no secret side deal, but uh, you know, this report may be the first of many shoes to drop that suggests there's more to the administration's arrangement with the Taliban than we understand, uh, which would be very, very troubling. Indeed, this uh, report the congressman refers to uh, by Politico reads that U.S. officials in Kabul gave the Taliban a list of names of American citizens, green card holders and Afghan allies to grant entry into the outer perimeter of the city's airport, a choice, as I read from Politico that has prompted outrage behind the scenes from lawmakers and military officials. Congressman Gallagher, clearly one of them. Uh, Congressman, you've been critical of President Biden. What do you want to hear him say when he speaks this hour? The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You know, in in the president's previous addresses to the nation, he seems to have expressed no humility or or a willingness to say, hey, this this situation has gotten out of control. Um, 
and instead he seems to be casting the blame on a lot of other people. I just would like him to, to own up to this. Uh, obviously express sympathies uh, and the appropriate level of, of heartbreak, uh, given that we lost 11 Marines and, and one sailor. And by the way, that, that body count could go up as we learn, learn more because there were a lot of wounded in action as well. Um, but I just would like the president to look America in the eye and say, we are going to do whatever it takes to get our citizens out of there and to keep our people safe. Uh, you know, I don't expect that he's going to say, well, I'm reversing my decision to get out and we're going to retake Bodrum and this and that and all the other things I'd like to see happen. But at a minimum, I think he needs to own up to this. And maybe it's too soon right now just because all our focus needs to be on getting our people out safely. But at some point, somebody or a group of people needs to be held accountable for this massive failure, uh, military operational failure, a judgment failure in terms of the overall decision, a strategic failure in terms of the logic that was deployed to justify this. I think the American people are crying out for accountability, and I think the president should take advantage of that to um, not only hold members of his national security team accountable, demand their resignation, but then perhaps rebuild that team in a bipartisan fashion. Um, maybe uh, uh, abide by the old adage that politics stops at the water's edge. You know, that's what I would like to see in my, my fantasy world, but um, I'm not sure I'm, I'm hopeful that's what's going to happen. As we wait to hear from the president, and we understand that could uh, happen in any moment, he'll be speaking from the East Room. We've been told that retaking Bagram would lead to a bloodbath. Do you think that that is true, that that would be a deadly battle? And if we kept troops in Afghanistan, in Kabul, beyond the deadline, could that lead to more loss of American troops? It certainly could. Um, and, you know, I, I am not um, I'm not sanguine about this, and I, I'm not naive as to the, the corner that we've, we've painted ourselves into. And the reality is we, we have very few options right now, and uh, it may be too late to do some of these things. But I do think at a minimum, at a minimum, we have a moral responsibility to get our people out of that country. And even if it entails some risk, even if it requires patrolling outside the wire, it's what we're going to have to do. Uh, we just don't leave Americans behind. Um, you know, as for some of these more ambitious plans, like taking Bagram, yeah, the, the ship, the ship may have sailed uh, just because we've we've painted ourselves into this corner. And certainly, regarding the 31st deadline, the Taliban has threatened us that if we stay one second longer, uh, there will be consequences. But you know, at the end of the day, we're we're the United States of America, uh, we're the most powerful country in the history of the world. And when it comes to protecting our own citizens, we shouldn't take orders from terrorists. Um, so that's that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing. Congressman Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, a Marine who served in Iraq. We thank you for being with us today on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. And we do have eyes on the East Room of the White House as we wait to hear from President Biden. I can tell you that the press pool is being ushered into the room right now, and that tends to happen a couple of minutes before the president speaks. So we will likely be hearing from him shortly. I'd like to hear from our panel, if that's possible. Jeannie Sheehan Zeno, Bloomberg Politics contributor, joined today by Lester Munson, a principal at government relations firm BGR, former staff director for the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Jeannie and Lester, thank you. The president could speak at any time, so I'll just warn you in advance that we could be headed to the White House. But, Jeannie, I'll start with you here. You've been critical as a Democrat of President Biden. Is there anything that he could say today that would make you feel better about this trajectory of this withdrawal? 
you know, I don't think there's anything he could say to make people feel better. What I think we will hear is a lot of expression of sympathy and what we heard today earlier in the briefing, that this mission will continue. They are not going to be deterred. What I would like to hear from him in addition to that is I would like to hear if we are going to respond to this attack, how they're going to ensure that they get all Americans and allies out. And then also this stunning piece that you were just talking to the congressman about. Is it true, as Politico is reporting, that they handed over the names of Americans, green card holders and Afghan allies to the Taliban? And what people are describing essentially as a kill list. Did that actually occur? And so those are the things I would hope he would address in addition to expressions of sympathy and the mission continuing. Lester, I'd like to hear from you as well on this and your expectations, maybe your hopes. And what you would like to hear from the president, could he say anything now that would give you more confidence in where we're going? Well, I agree with Jeannie uh, completely. I would add it would be nice to hear from him, uh, more than nice to hear from him, a determination to bring out all Americans who remain trapped at the airport in Kabul. And it would also, uh, I think, behoove the president to describe the steps uh, he is taking to make sure we don't see another attack Uh, like the one we saw today. Uh, So I'll just add those to the list of things that Jeannie had mentioned. How should this work, Jeannie? Uh, Some have suggested the president may not take questions. He has not taken questions in all of these events most recently, and we are now hearing sound from the East Room where cameras are pointed at the green room door waiting for him to enter. Does he need to have an exchange, Jeannie, with reporters following what I presume will be a relatively brief address? We haven't heard an exchange like that, as you just mentioned. I would hope we would. I thought that what General McKenzie and and you were talking about this earlier, I thought he gave a a stunning press conference. He answered a lot of questions, and it was very, very detailed as he explained what these troops are going through. I would hope the president would do some of the same tonight. But again, he hasn't taken questions. I'm not convinced he will, but, but I have my fingers crossed on that one. Lester Munson, do you want to see the U.S. stay longer in Kabul as Congressman Gallagher's legislation uh, would call for? Or does this mean that U.S. forces should leave earlier? I'm in complete agreement with the congressman. I think uh, America doesn't leave people behind. We should be staying until all Americans are out. Uh, I don't don't really think that's negotiable. Um, It's going to uh, today's been a, a pretty rough day. Uh, for the country, for obvious reasons, uh, things things would get worse if we were to leave Kabul before, with with any number of Americans remaining on the ground. I just think that would be a huge mistake. Understood. The panel here on Bloomberg Sound on Jeannie Sheehan, Zeno, Lester Munson, stay with us. They'll be around for the hour. I want to speak with General David Deptula, who is also with us today. We have lined up some of the smartest people we know to talk about this, to understand what has happened and where we might be going. Former director of the Combined Air Operations Center for Operation Enduring Freedom, where the general orchestrated air operations over Afghanistan and the outset of this mission some 20 years ago, a fighter pilot and an organizing general. General Deptula, welcome back to Bloomberg Sound Thanks, On. We Joe. had a chance to talk just a couple of days ago. I didn't think we'd be having this conversation today. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate. Uh, but let me jump in in front of your question just by making it clear Absolutely. that um, we all owe the U.S. military a debt of gratitude uh, and our unwavering support for their dedication, commitment, and uh, professionalism. 
Uh, they've just been doing a magnificent job, and unfortunately, the military pays a price for this effort. So well, that's condolences right. to the families of the 12 uh, service members who lost their lives today uh, executing their mission. General, thank you for saying that. We heard from General Kenneth McKenzie earlier today in a Pentagon briefing, and he spoke to the work that our men and women in uniform are up to. And I want everybody to hear this. This is close-up work. The breath of the person you are searching is upon you. While we have overwatch in place, we still have to touch the clothes of the person that's coming in. I think you all can appreciate the courage and the dedication that is necessary to do this job and to do it time after time. Please remember that we have screened over 104,000 people. Think about that. The breath of the person you are screening is upon you. You're touching the clothing of that individual. General, today we saw suicide bombers infiltrate the system that we have around the airport. What is your first thought as, as a military strategist here in preventing this from happening once again? Is it expanding the perimeter around the airport? Is it freezing evacuations for now or something else? Well, um, you know, it's an appropriate question. But first, I'd tell you, security is degrading so fast that there's no way uh, to get all the Americans out by 31st of uh, August. So we should not adhere to that arbitrary deadline. The deadline needs to be conditions-based. In other words, we only leave when the mission's accomplished, that being the withdrawal of all U.S. citizens who want to leave and the friends of the U.S. who have appropriate credentials. Now, the second part is... I believe the civilian airport at Kabul should be abandoned and operations shifted to Bagram Air Base. Because, yeah, as General McKenzie talked about, yeah, you have to inspect everybody. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that the location in which you do that inspection is important. It was an absolutely irresponsible decision to abandon Bagram Airfield. Uh, in the first place. Bagram's defendable. Kabul is not. Yeah. Bagram has two runways versus Kabul's one, so through, throughput could be doubled. Uh, and then finally, and third and most important, is our asymmetric advantage in Afghanistan was and remains air power. So why we withdrew our air power from Bagram prior to the complete evacuation of Americans um, was unconscionable. So, I, you know, I got to tell you, the Taliban only understand and respect force. So the U.S. force needs to get back into the equation. Not General, with a you large know, number of ground forces, but with air power. You know Bagram uh, better than most people. What would it take to retake that base? How deadly would that mission be? Well, it's a good question, and I don't know what the, what the current conditions are on the ground. Um, and, and who is occupying Bagram, but I'm sure that that's an option that's being considered by Central Command. And it's not a matter of if it could be done, it's a matter of when. Uh, but all of that kind of ties back to everything I've said so far. It kind of depends on, and what people need to understand is the military is not operating independently. They're operating under the guidance of the Commander-in-Chief, our President. So uh, that's part of the issue. Uh, How do you and, mean that? And, well, um, what I mean is that it's been very obvious that he, the president of the United States, has been overseeing a serious case of misplanning and lack of foresight by his national security train, team. Uh, and, and so uh, he needs to start listening to the options presented by 
uh, the, the military, his combatant commanders, uh, and realizing uh, things like setting an arbitrary date versus uh, waiting until the mission's actually accomplished before we leave. I mean, that's kind of that's a fundamental decision that was, uh, you know, I don't know what he made the basis of it on, but it sounds like, you know, the Taliban have taken that 31 August planning date and turned it into a red line. And it sounds like the president's basically capitulating to that line of thought, and he shouldn't be doing that. General, I didn't want to pull you into politics, but you went there, so I'll ask you, would you support Congressman Mike Gallagher's legislation that would require American forces to stay in Kabul until all Americans are evacuated? Uh, We shouldn't have to legislate common sense to the executive branch of government. So I'd have reservations, not because I disagree with his intent, um, but we should have an executive branch that should be able to make that common sense decision themselves. General David Deptula, yes, indeed. And I appreciate your answering that question. Speaking emotionally from the White House, where he invoked his late son, Beau Biden, who served in Iraq and, of course, died of cancer after he came home. You heard the president live as he issued a warning to the people who orchestrated the attacks today in Kabul. To those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. We're joined again by Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Sheehan-Zeno, along with Lester Munson, principal at government relations firm BGR, former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. I'd like to get the instant reaction from both of you, Jeannie. We talked going into this address. I don't know what exactly uh, that was, the way that that whole back and forth with the press was coordinated. But in terms of the, the speech itself, how about we separate these? The prepared remarks from President Biden, how did that strike you? Did he say enough? I think he said what we expected. As you mentioned, he expressed a good deal of sympathy and empathy for the families. Um, He, you know, obviously talked about his son. He also said that we will not forgive. We will hunt down those attackers. And I thought most importantly in his prepared remarks, he said we will rescue the Americans and any allies who want to get out. Our mission will continue after the 31st is how I heard this, but we're still withdrawing the troops by the 31st. So I'm a bit confused, if I can say that, as to how we would get Americans and allies out after that deadline. He said there is a way to do that. He said it also in the questions to the press, if I understood this correctly. And yet I wasn't clear on how he would actually facilitate that once we get out. Lester, uh, how did you uh, consider his tone and tenor? He sounded sad, somber. There was a moment of silence. Sounded tired. Speaking personally about his son, was that the right approach to address the nation? Do we have Lester Munster with us? All right. Go ahead, Lester. I'm not sure that's the approach I would have taken. I think he had a nice response on what to do about ISIS Khorasan. Uh, but I agree with Jeannie. There's this fundamental confusion here about what exactly the mission is. In his prepared remarks, he said, we will get every American out who wants to get out. 
later in response to a question, he said, we'll get out as many people as possible before the deadline. And then later, at the at near the end, to an, in response to another question, he said, after we leave, we will work to get people out. And there was an implication that some of those would be Americans by working with the Taliban. Um, I don't really think that's a coherent policy that is going to be doable or make any sense. Uh, and so I think this confusion about uh, the overall mission remains. Uh, I think a lot of the things he said to express empathy were very appropriate. The moment of silence is appropriate. The tough line on ISIS Coruscant is appropriate. But there remains this fundamental confusion from him about the mission and how we're going to accomplish it. Jeannie, he did go on to say that he's listening to his military advisors and prepared to respond. Listen to Joe Biden. I've instructed the military, whatever they need, if they need additional force, I will grant it. But the military, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Joint Chiefs, the commanders in the field, have all contacted me one way or another, usually by letter, saying they subscribe to the mission as designed to get as many people out as we can within the time frame that is allotted. What do you make of that, Jeannie? He's essentially handing things over to the military. If you ask me for more, I will give you more. And we know already, according to General Kenneth McKenzie, that we're in talks with the Taliban to expand the perimeter, close some roads. Maybe there's more to this. What do you think the military asks for here? The president apparently is prepared to say yes. I think it's important that he does listen to the military on the ground, and I don't think he's been doing that prior to this. Hence, our you know this hard withdraw deadline that is based on you know some sort of deadline, political deadline versus what's going on operationally. So I think it's important he listen. I think he's going to maybe walk himself into an issue, though. You know, as as he was saying, he will listen. They will likely request more troops for example, does he then send in those troops when he's prepared to get out? Now I think it's about 100 hours or so before we're supposed to get out of there. So again, it's sort of this mixed message I I kept hearing here. Um, You know, you were talking to General Deptula right before the president spoke, and he was very critical about why we would withdraw air power, why pull out of Bagram. And we also heard the president say he had listened to his advisors and the military on that. Um, That's not what I understood prior. So I think there's a lot to be squared here. And I think people are going to be going through what he had to say, because it doesn't always in my mind line up with what we've heard prior and what I think we might hear since. Jeannie Sheehan-Zano, Bloomberg Politics contributor. Thanks for all your hard work today. We've spent quite a bit of time together, both on TV and radio with regard to this story and Lester Munson, BGR group and former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. We thank you for your analysis here on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We heard the president speak. We also heard from the congressman who wrote the legislation that would keep our troops in Afghanistan until all Americans are out. It is unclear if that will get a vote. As President Biden says, quote, we will respond with force and precision at our time, at the place we choose, in the moment of our choosing. We'll be following this throughout the evening and, of course, straight through tomorrow here on Bloomberg Radio. So do stay with us and we'll meet you back here for the Friday edition of Sound On. Daybreak Asia is next. Stay right here for the latest. I'm Joe Matthew.
This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.